today we're going to start a new series called The New Normal. You know, all of us are looking forward to our world and our lives getting back to normal, whatever that is. But maybe there are some good things that have come out of this time of a global pandemic where we have been quarantined that should become our new normal. And we're going to talk about some of those today and for the rest of this month. Today I want to talk to you about a message I'm just calling, What Will You Wear? You know, during the quarantine, I was also recovering from surgery. And so most of the time, I didn't have to worry about what to wear. No one was coming over, and I wasn't going anywhere. So I just stayed in my pajamas all day long. And then when I started having Zoom meetings with my staff or joining in my life groups, Zoom meeting, I had to start asking the question, what am I going to wear? And I had to start giving some thought to my wardrobe and what I'm going to put on. And the good news is when you're doing Zoom calls, all you really got to worry about is making sure that your hair is combed, you got a nice shirt on. You don't even have to worry about pants, unless, of course, you're going to stand up, then that might be important uh, to make sure. But most of us would never think about going outside of our home and going around other people without giving a little thought, at least, to what we're going to wear. And the Bible doesn't say much at all about what we as followers of Jesus ought to wear physically. In fact, other than being modest, the Bible doesn't really say. In fact, the Bible says more about what we are to wear spiritually than physically. And that's what we're going to talk about today, that as followers of Jesus, how should we dress our lives? How should we clothe ourselves with our attitudes and our actions? Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I've got some good news for you. What we're going to talk about today, you're off the hook. You don't really have to worry about it. And this is incumbent, though, on those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus, who say we love him and we want to be more like him. Because what we're going to see today, these attitudes and these actions that ought to be a part of our lives are beautiful and they're required of us. And the problem I'm seeing, though, is there are many people who aren't followers of Christ and they exhibit these qualities far greater than a lot of religious people I know. In fact, maybe some of you don't even go to church anymore because you've seen some Christians who weren't dressed like this, who, whose lives weren't reflecting these kind of qualities that are befitting of a Christian. And you just said, if that's what it means to be a Christian, I don't want any part of that. Well, I've got good news for you. The one who modeled this perfectly is Jesus, and we keep our eyes on him. And as followers of Jesus, we need to desire to be more like him. And I don't always get this right. And I know other followers of Jesus don't always get this right. But a new normal in my life has become, I want to be more concerned about my spiritual life than my physical life and what I'm going to wear. And so today we're going to go to Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version as a man named Paul one of the apostles of Jesus, who lived in the first century, is writing a letter to Christians in the first century about how they should conduct themselves, how they should live their lives. He's already referred to them the things that they ought to cast off, the, the things they ought to take off from their life, those old habits and those ugly, sinful uh, actions and attitudes. But now what we're going to read is where he says, here's what you ought to put on. And we're going to find these qualities listed for us here from Paul. In fact, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, he begins like this. Put on, then, 
as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Did you hear the phrase he uses? Put on. The word in the Greek is where we get our English word endow or endo yourself. It's kind of like putting a letter in an envelope or putting a jacket on or putting your clothes on. He says, I'm going to give you the qualities that you ought to envelop your life in, that you ought to put on intentionally, deliberately. And these qualities are incumbent upon you because you're the chosen of God. God loved you and in his grace, he has forgiven you and saved you through your faith in Jesus. And he loves you as the children of God. And so here's the first quality he says you're to put on. Here's the first piece of your wardrobe. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Now, if you're reading from the old King James Version, you might, you might be surprised by the language. It says, put on bowels of mercy. You see, the Greek that Paul is using is really two words, and it speaks of your inward being, your viscera, your guts. Let's just be honest. That's what he's talking about. Because in ancient days, the seat of emotion, they didn't consider your heart. They considered it to be your gut, something you feel deep down low. And Paul says, as followers of Christ, we ought to put on hearts of compassion. We ought to be known as men and women who feel deeply for what other people are experiencing. We feel deeply for what other people are going through. That we're not oblivious to what they're going through and we're not apathetic or indifferent to what they're going through. But when another person is hurting, when another person is suffering, when another person is fearful, we feel that with hearts of compassion. In the ancient days, the world was primarily merciless and pitiless. If you were the aged or the infirm or the outcast of society, you rarely found people being compassionate towards you. In fact, in the early part of the first century, it was a well-known practice that if a Roman family gave birth to a daughter and the father decided he didn't want a daughter, he could legally take that infant baby out into the wilderness, lay it out on the stones, and abandon it. Leave it exposed to die in the elements. And you know who changed that practice? You know who changed the whole, uh, the whole way the Roman culture saw that practice? Christians. When Christians started standing up for those infant babies who couldn't protect themselves and they had hearts of compassion, it changed their culture. In fact, even in our day, there are people all around us who need our compassionate hearts. There's that, there's that single mom who is fearful before she gives birth to this baby because she doesn't know how she's going to feed this child. She doesn't know what she's going to do. And rather than judgment, she needs Christians showing compassionate hearts. What about in our day? We're seeing it on the news, aren't we? Do you have compassion for the young black man who every time he gets in his car, he is worried that he might get pulled over having done nothing wrong, might get pulled over by the police, and he's worried that maybe that encounter could go wrong and something tragic could happen. Is your heart moved with compassion for him? What about that black mother who's worried as she watches her teenage boys go out of the house in the evening going to church? 
She's worried, will she see them again? She's worried, will they get into trouble having done nothing wrong? Is your heart moved with compassion for her? And of course, what about the police officer who every time he goes out on patrol, he's worried. Will I go home and see my family? Am I going to make it home tonight? Is your heart moved with compassion for this police officer who's simply trying to protect you and to serve your community? Is your heart moved with compassion for that that minority business owner who has worked so hard all their life to scrape together, to save, to start this new business, only to see it destroyed in riots? Is your heart moved with compassion for that person? Dear friend, we could go on and on, but here's something I know. There's going to be a time in all of our lives we are going to need, we're going to be desperate for someone to show compassion to us. That when we're down and out, to come and let their heart be moved by what we're going through and to come alongside of us. And if you know that you're going to need that one day, shouldn't you be that kind of person for someone else today? Paul says, as God's chosen people, loved dearly by God, put on compassionate hearts. And then he says, don't stop there, and kindness. Compassionate hearts, but also kindness. Kindness is whenever you do something good for another person. There's a need they have, and you step in, and you meet that need. The way I always define kindness is that you leverage your life for the good of someone else's life. And there are people who just need a little kindness in our world. They just need a smile. They just need someone to say thank you. They just need someone to assist them with their problem They just need someone to listen to them rather than always preach to them. They just need a little kindness. And I I tell you, I've been so blessed as I've been watching you guys during this pandemic show kindness to your neighbors, kindness to your fellow church members, kindness even to strangers. You've been meeting needs. You've been feeding the hungry. You've been calling our senior citizens. You've been making masks for, for nursing home personnel. You've been doing so much good and your kindness has not gone unnoticed. But there again, Paul's not finished with your wardrobe. He says, put on compassionate hearts and kindness, but also humility. Humility is when I see myself as I really am. I see myself for who I really am before a holy God and before other people. It's not hard to be humble whenever you realize that before God, you're just a sinner. And that we've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. And it's not hard to be humble whenever you see yourself in light of other people that you realize when it's all said and done, we are all just human beings created in the image of God. And none of us is better than the other. That we are all people created by God, loved by God. And regardless of our skin color or our ethnicity or our language, we're not better than other people. You may have more money than I do, but that doesn't make you better than me. I may have something you don't have. That doesn't make me better than you. And we ought to be humble. But humble is not just a a feeling. Humble humility is an action. You see, if I'm truly humble before God and before others, it means I'm willing to step down and to serve someone else. That there's no one beneath me that I'm willing to serve anyone in need, whose need I can meet. But there again, he's not finished with your wardrobe yet. He says, 
that we are to put on compassionate hearts and kindness and humility, but also meekness. And that's not a word we use much in our culture, but really the word meekness could be translated gentleness. It's a decision that when I respond to you, that I'm going to respond to you with the, the, the tenderness and the gentleness that you deserve. And we need people who are meek. We need people who are humble. We need people who are gentle. You know what I'm most gentle with? I'm most gentle with someone who's hurting or I'm most gentle with something of value. I don't want to break this. This is so valuable. This is precious. This is priceless. And when we look at each other, you don't have to look far to see that every single one of us have some brokenness in our lives, and we need some people to be gentle with us. And you don't have to look hard to realize that being made in the image of God, every person is valuable. So valuable, God sent his own son to die for them and to pay the price for their forgiveness of sin. That's how valuable they are. Be gentle with that precious, valuable soul. But he's not finished. He continues, we are to put on patience. The word in the Greek for patience is a composite word. It means large heat. We would say rather than being short-tempered, we're to be long-tempered. And we're to be patient with one another. We are to, to help people when they're in need, recognizing they may not be where we think they ought to be. They may not be doing all the things we think they ought to do, but we're going to be patient with them. That we're going to give them space. We're going to give them time. We're not just to write them off. We're not just going to wash our hands of them and say, I'm done with that person. I like what Pastor Andy Stanley says when he defines patience. He says, patience is going at someone else's speed. You just align your life to where they are and you join them in patience. To, to illustrate a little more about what Paul means in patience, he says, he says, and bearing with one another. That literally means to put up with each other. I mean, yes, we're going to have to put up with each other. Some of you realize that in quarantine with your family. You can't go anywhere. They can't go anywhere. You just got to put up with each other. Sometimes we get on each other's nerves. Sometimes we say things we shouldn't say. And we have to learn how to just bear with one another. Give each other elbow room. Give each other space. And he says, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. Now, this is where it gets harder. He says, if someone's done you wrong... If you've got a complaint against them, you need to forgive them. That's a part of what it means to be patient. That's a part of what it means to bear with them. That's a part of what it means to be humble. That's a part of what it means to be, be meek and kind. It's part of what it means to have a compassionate heart, that you're willing to forgive them. The word forgive literally means to cancel a debt. Maybe it's a financial debt that we're more familiar with. We know we have debts and then then somebody calls us up from the bank or from the hospital and says, listen, we've canceled your debt. What that means is they've paid your debt. They've incurred that debt themselves. You no longer have to pay it. And to forgive another person means that when they've done us wrong, they owe us something. They did us wrong. They've incurred a debt towards us. But we choose to pay that debt and not make them repay it. Now, I want to be very careful here. Forgiveness does not always mean restoration or reconciliation in a relationship. And neither does forgiveness mean that we abdicate justice. 
It is possible to forgive a person and not be reconciled if they don't want to be reconciled or if it would not be healthy for you to be reconciled to them. It also means that you can forgive a person but still demand justice from the law if that person has legally done you wrong. And I know how hard forgiveness can be in my life. I can only imagine for some people, they must hear this and say, that's too hard, how can you ask that of me? In fact, I'm thinking about this in our culture today. It's got to be hard for the African-American friend of mine to say, I'll forgive people for the racism that they have thrown my way, sometimes intentionally, and sometimes they did it unintentionally. They didn't even know they were being racist towards me. But I forgive them. That's so easy for me to say. And I'm not saying it's easy to forgive. But here's the secret to forgiveness. Paul says, And if any one of you has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive one another. What makes it easier for me to forgive someone else is when I realize how much Christ has forgiven me. How much sin he's been patient with. How much sin he's forgiven. How much of my spiritual debt I've owed towards him. And he paid it all. Even sacrificing himself on the cross of Calvary. Paul is saying forgiven people, forgive people. And this is not based on how people treat you or what they deserve. This is based on how Christ has treated you and continues to treat you. In fact, all of these qualities that we're reading from Paul are best pictured and modeled in Jesus. None of these things are about how other people treat me. If someone's compassionate to me, then I'll be compassionate to them. If someone's kind to me, then I'll be kind to them. No. No, I'm called as a follower of Jesus to wear these qualities in my daily life because these picture Jesus most perfectly. In fact, in the scriptures, every single one of these qualities can be traced right back to Jesus. My wife will tell you that whenever I go shopping for clothes, back whenever you could actually go shopping, you could actually go into a store. You remember those good old days? That I would go into that store and I just, I hate shopping. I don't know what looks good together. I don't know how to always match things. So I would walk in and I would sometimes see a mannequin and the staff has dressed the mannequin in a great looking outfit, man, the shirt, the pants, the, the belt, the shoes. And sometimes I would just say, I'll take that. That's the look I'm going for. I'll just take that. And you know what? Whenever I don't know how to live my life and I don't know how to respond to people in my life, all I have to do is look to Jesus, the perfect model of what this looks like. This is how he's treated me. And I'm to then go and wear these clothes as I relate to you. So, Verse 14, Paul says, And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Paul says, there's one final element that binds it all together, that ties the ensemble together, that holds it all together, and it's love. Love has to be the motive of putting on all of these qualities in your life. Those loved by Jesus ought to love like Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. That followers of Jesus, loved by Jesus, ought to love like Jesus. They ought to be people who put on compassionate hearts. They put on kindness. They put on humility. They put on meekness. They put on patience. They put on forgiveness. They put on love as they relate 
to other people. Now these were not natural characteristics to the Apostle Paul whenever he wrote these things. In fact, the first time we meet this guy named Paul, we, we know him better as Saul in the early part of the book of Acts. He's not a follower of Jesus. In fact, he's a Jewish religious leader who detests the idea that Jesus is being proclaimed as the Messiah. He says, no way he's the Messiah. He was just a criminal crucified by the Romans. And if you say he's God's Messiah, you're committing blasphemy. And that's worthy of death. And so Paul took matters into his own hands and he wreaked havoc in the early Christian church. He used force. He used violence to arrest Christians, to beat them, to have them stoned to death, to have them put to death. He hated them. And yet somehow later in his life, he is saying, put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, love. What happened to this guy that everybody else would call a terrorist in his day? A religious terrorist. How could that transformation occur? One explanation. He met Jesus who was all of those things to him, even though he did not deserve it. Jesus was compassionate to him, was kind, humble, gentle, good, patient, and loving. And because Paul had never been treated like that, it changed his life. Love can do that, friend. Love can change people. Love can change situations. And he says, put on love. And you know where he heard this? He learned it from Jesus. In John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus said to his disciples, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I've loved you. Not how the world's treated you, not how other people treat you, but just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, Jesus said, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus says, I'll go first. I'll show the world what true love looks like. I'll go first. And I'll give you this love. But listen, those who are loved by Jesus ought to love like Jesus. And when you love like Jesus, you start looking more like Jesus. God has called us as his people to put on these qualities. Maybe you look at our world and you say, it's hopeless. I don't know what to do with what I'm seeing on the news, what I see down the street, what I see in my community. Well, there's a lot we can do, but maybe we should start with doing what Jesus told us to do and go from there. Don't pick or choose each one of these that you want. It's a whole ensemble. You got to wear it all or none at all. And you can only do it by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, here's your homework. Maybe every morning this week, whenever you get up and you start getting dressed, and you look in that mirror, you say, God, I want to put on compassion today. I want to put on kindness today. I want to put on humility today. I want to put on meekness and gentleness today. I want to put on forbearing and patience today. I want to put on love today. Because, friend, if you don't do that, what good's your religion? What good is what you say you believe about Jesus? If your religion doesn't 
make your relationships better, then what good is it? Because people who have been loved by Jesus ought to love like Jesus. And then you start looking like Jesus. And if you're, if you're someone who's been turned off because Christians haven't always treated you like this, I'm sorry. And we ask for your forgiveness. But I'm going to ask you, put your eyes on Jesus. Look at the one who perfectly models these qualities. And I promise you this, if you put your eyes on him, you'll discover that's how he feels about you. He loves you. And he wants to shower all of these virtues on you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for our time today. And I pray that you would help us each day as followers of Jesus to consciously put on these qualities that we have talked about today perfectly modeled by Jesus. And God, we need your Holy Spirit. We need your strength to be like Jesus. And we know we're not always going to get it right. We're not going to be perfect. But God, we want to be better today than we were yesterday. And God, help us to change our world by showing the love of Jesus Christ. And God, if there's somebody watching today who struggled to trust you, to put their confidence in you, I pray that they would see you as this kind of God who is compassionate, kind, loving, merciful, gentle, patient, and that they would turn from their sin and they would put their trust in Jesus Christ, your son who stretched out his arms and he died for them and he died for the world. He sacrificed his life for us. He showed us true love. And God, would you help us to take his love into this world, to transform it, to change it, to right the wrongs, to solve the injustices, to rebuild broken lives and broken relationships. We know it's possible in the name of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I love you guys.